Cloud First isn't only a U.S. federal government policy to move as much IT securely to the web. The state of Delaware has its own Cloud First initiative. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group. And to discuss Delaware's Cloud First program, I'm pleased to be joined once again with Elaine Starkey, Chief Security Officer of Delaware State Government. Welcome back, Elaine. Thank you, Eric. It's great to be with you again. You've been actively engaged in cloud computing for three years. How has Delaware's use of the cloud matured over those years? We've taken some major strides. I'm excited to report that we are working on our third version of our cloud security terms and conditions. And this is the primary vehicle we use to protect the data that is leaving the edge of our network and, and going out to the cloud. You mentioned the cloud first policy. We don't claim ownership of that. That is a has kind of been a federal uh, government tagline and we have adopted it here in Delaware. And what that means for us is that not that everything goes to the cloud, but for all new initiatives, we consider the cloud. In some cases, the answer comes back is absolutely, it's a perfect fit. And in other cases, it's not a perfect fit. We recognize that along with the cloud comes uh, some major benefits on the IT side, but it also introduces some new risks. What kind of data or applications would find itself uh, appropriate for the cloud and what kind wouldn't? It all comes down to the classification of the data. We have a four-tier classification system in Delaware, starting with the least sensitive being public, all the way up through top secret. And we've seen a lot of public, a lot of confidential, and a few secret applications move to the cloud. Uh, we have not sent any of our top, uh, any systems that are classified with a top secret designation. Uh, we have not engaged in a, a cloud engagement for them. Why is that? You just don't feel the cloud secure enough yet? Yes, that is correct. After uh, taking a close look at the, the terms and conditions, we just have not had the comfort level that we need to be at in order to send our top secret data out to the cloud. Is this something you think will always be the case, or do you think it's just a matter of the cloud maturing? Um, well, a wise person told me never say always and never say never. <laughs> I probably should not say that we'll never send top secret data to the cloud. Um, and a case in point, we have seen some incredible maturity from our cloud providers just in the three and a half years that we've been at this. Uh, the, the discussions with the vendors, I, I typically, or someone from my team is involved in, in almost every negotiation of the terms and conditions. I can tell you that we've seen an incredible change and maturity from our cloud providers from those early days of, of those conversations to where we are now. How so? There's a much more intention on the security aspects of the engagement. In the beginning, you may recall, Eric, the it, cloud security was touted and became very popular because of the, the benefits around cost savings and scalability and, and speed to implementation. And we love all those benefits, but in, in the early days, early days meaning three, four years ago, there wasn't a lot of conversation about securing the data that left the edge of our network and went to the cloud. Those conversations have changed dramatically. Oftentimes our cloud providers right out of the gate um, offer up some, some good information to us to describe how they, the steps that they will take to protect our data. So that, that requires you to trust them or, the, or how do they document that 
that they are going to be able to protect the data. Yeah, the vehicle we use to do that is our, our terms and conditions document. We, you know, who was it? Ronald Reagan said, trust but verify. Right. So we do, we do certainly um, engage in conversations and strike a common ground, but then we follow that up with our the written conversation and the written agreement that we have that is uh, legally binding and uh, attached to the contract is our cloud security terms and conditions. This is different from a few years ago in the sense, of, if I recall, when the cloud started to gain traction, the providers basically dictated the terms. It uh, sounds as if now uh, the organizations can say, this is what we want, and the providers that get your business will try to adhere to what you want. I think it's not quite that dramatic of a shift yet, but I think it's, there's a lot more give and take in the beginning. I agree. You know, it was it was kind of a take it or leave it type of a discussion. But there's been much more flexibility shown on the vendors, not just flexibility, but attention on the security of this data. We look at these service providers as the custodians of our data. We do not relinquish ownership of our data. We are simply looking them, looking at them as the custodians of our data for the terms of the contract. So along with that responsibility comes a lot of important data protection and data security requirements that we, in the beginning, um, they, they may not have been so eager to discuss those responsibilities, but now it seems to be more of just a standard practice. So how do you assure that they do that? So do you have audits? Every one of our terms and conditions is the ability to come behind it and audit for compliance. We also rely on third-party audits as well, and there's no sense in reinventing the wheel. And there's a number of standard audit vehicles out there that were sanitized versions or, or more public versions of the audit report can be made not only maybe public, but at least uh, provided to customers um, that sign up for their service. So it's a combination of the two. Is there a way that you could strengthen the audit process? Is there something you're looking into to do that? Well, yeah, I'd love to strengthen that, Eric. Um, given the right uh, extra staff and the right uh, resources to be to have kind of a full-blown audit program is the ideal way to enforce the terms and conditions. The economic situation has just not allowed for that yet. I guess you also have to go through a vetting process of the third parties that do this, so these are kind of audits. Yeah, exactly. Do you tend to deal with the same companies all the time as certain trust is developed or when it comes to the third parties? Uh, when it comes to the third parties, yes, absolutely. We are seeing kind of the, some of the same service providers come back through the process. We, we have a process here, Eric, called the business case approval process. Any new system, it's, it's a somewhat of a gating process and there are certain checkpoints along the way the cloud security terms and condition being just one of those checkpoints. So um, it's helpful, you know, when, when a company comes through for the second time, it kind of speeds the process up. So when you look at a vendor, uh, what are some of the big security and privacy priorities that you seek in the contract and in the service? The ones that we care about the most really have to do with the location of the data, there are a few of our, our standards that we simply cannot negotiate on. Why is the location important and, and what do you mean by location? Location meaning that it cannot leave the borders of the United States. 
And why is that important? The governing laws that, uh, acro- across the world are very different. And what is uh, what in the United States, what is uh, illegal to do is not necessarily illegal to do in other countries. So we want the data to be governed by the laws of the United States. So that's like critically important that the data not leave the boundaries of the United States and it's governed by U.S. law. What are some of the other uh, things you look for? We certainly want to retain ownership of the data. And in fact, I think that's our first terms and condition, the, the fact that the state will own all right and title and interest to the data. We are not surrendering ownership to the data. We are sif- simply shifting accountability and responsibility for the protection of that data to the cloud provider. In the case of personally identifiable information, of course, we would require encryption controls to be in place for both encryption transit uh, when, when data is being moved around and also when it is at rest. There are certain types of personally identifiable information that we consider to be our crown jewels. Those are social security numbers, date of birth. If, there's, if it's a financial type application, it would be a credit card number or a bank account number. We ask our agencies to treat that data as if they were crown jewels. That plays out in the terms and conditions to include a data encryption at rest requirement for data of that sensitivity. Other conditions you look for? One of the most important ones is the whole breach notification and recovery piece of it. In that, if it's those crown jewels that I just mentioned, if if that data is any way compromised, the Delaware law kicks in, which requires a public breach notification, as is standard now across the industry. Usually when that happens, three-year credit monitoring service would kick in, a hotline, a a website would be stood up, a telephone hotline where citizens can call. When, When the service provider is liable for the breach, it is our expectation that Uh, the state recover all costs associated with all of those response and recovery issues. Has that happened yet or not? That has not happened yet, and I'm knocking on wood here. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Has there ever been a situation in Delaware where you had some data or applications on uh, a cloud and decided to bring it back in-house? I am not recalling anything, Eric. I can't recall that this happened yet. In picking a cloud provider, being a state government, is there a bidding process or are there certain situations where you don't have to bid? How's that work? Sure. Uh, depending on the size of the contract, the value of the contract, it may be it may be an RFP situation. So typically the way that the cloud security requirement would be just one of multiple requirements in a bid solicitation. And then once the selected vendor is, the selection is made, then that's when the vetting process kind of comes to DTI and we would vet the terms and conditions with them. If I understand in Delaware, it's most of the agencies themselves that have the contracts. You sort of are assisting the agencies in, in, in vetting and implementing the, these services. That is correct. Are you concerned about co-location? Are you concerned about you know other 
organizations having being on the same physical service as your data? Yes, uh, we are concerned about that. In fact, an earlier version of our terms and conditions prohibited co-location. The more we, we learned about the, the, the cloud space, we discovered that for, for the cloud providers, you know, that's a huge benefit, a huge way that they can offer such good pricing to their customers by taking advantage of the co-location. So we've relaxed that requirement. It's no longer part of our terms and conditions. We do require it, though, for any type of backup and recovery tapes that may be stored off-site. If we're in a situation where we need to recover services or the service provider needs to recover services, it's important to us that the, the co-location of our data is not, does not cascade to the disaster recovery tapes. And why is that? The co-location requirement, when it comes to recovering a system or whatever, if we're going to head off to, say, a hot site to recover our systems, we request tapes to be delivered physically to our hot site location. So when there's other data commingled on that, that becomes difficult. Let's talk about your security organization's involvement with a larger IT organization in Delaware in vetting and deciding which cloud providers to use. When a new system is simply an idea in someone's head and they're just trying to, to kick around all of the considerations that need to go into a new system, we offer services to help uh, identify requirements, nail down requirements, do best practices, research, whatever, whatever may be required to help them through that process. Uh, if there's an RFP involved, we, we can get involved at that point to review the RFP before it goes out. And then once a vendor is selected for a new solution, we have a process called the business case process. For any new IT system, uh, it's a gating process that, that they must go through in order to uh, meet certain standards. To, this ensures that our technology standards and policies are adhered to. It ensures that if it's a cloud solution, the terms and conditions apply. Um, any other standard like non-disclosure and confidentiality clauses, it ensures that all of that gets baked into the final contract. If we talk about this again in two years, what do you think you'll be telling me about the use of cloud in Delaware and, and how secure data is? Yeah, that's a great question because with the explosion, I see, you know, my my time and, and so much of my team's time now is being spent on these cloud discussions and negotiations. If that trend continues, and I, I don't have any reason to believe that it won't, uh, my prediction would be, you know, approaching 30, 40% of our applications moving to the cloud. And that's significant, obviously. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks, Elaine. Thank you, Eric. That's Elaine Starkey, Chief Security Officer of the State of Delaware. I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.